ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to these go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me, as always, Zach Bartles. Zach, what's going on, man? What in the crap is going on? That's my question, dude. What is with all the Halloween noises? You told me this was a Harvest Festival episode. It's Hallelujah Night. <laughs> I just got an email from my son's school that said uh, the, the subject line was Reformation Day. And the body of the message just said, don't forget to drop off your bag of candy before Wednesday because we're stuffing the bags on Thursday. And I'm thinking, um, I don't remember much candy in the Reformation. Is it possible that churches are just like renaming Halloween and still thinking they can skate by by doing it? My kids and I like to walk around nailing Snickers to people's doors. (laughs) 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 Here's your 99 Reese's. That is is one confused uh, Protestant out there. Nailing candies to doors. <laughs> oh man, that's oh, lucky I, I just got that. <laughs> did you come up with that right now? I did, yeah, just off the top of my head. I actually think that was pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. That should be a meme right now. You can get on that. You can put it right on your you can have that. Put it on these to go to eleven. That Listen, made it quite a good Photoshop. Anytime we ask our listeners to do some kind of a Photoshop for us. They they always do it. They never don't respond at all. Uh. <laughs> right, like I mean, Stranger Things, all those great Stranger Things images we got. People just anticipated that the whole episode would get swallowed up into blackness. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably fair. You know, they gave us as many ideas as we gave them an episode. But. <laughs> uh. All right, listeners, you have it. Let's Let's pull through this time. 99 Reese's. Come on, do it. I, I, I don't know. Does, does Megan Tennant listen regularly to this? Because that sounds like that could be shoehorned into Inktober, you know, maybe oh. on the 30th. 30- yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yes. Megan, if you're listening, come on. We need to see it. We need to see it. Nathan, who's this other Nathan? Yes, we have uh, not someone who's always joining us, but someone who frequently joins us, Nathan Bartleball. I mean, not to do your job for you, but yeah. Everyone... <laughs> uh, you might remember you from such non-episodes as Stranger Things. <laughs> the, the last 10 minutes of the Stranger Things one where we played like a resolution of a conversation you never heard. <laughs> and, and who edited that? Was that you that edited that together, Zach? Because it was perfect because it actually sounded like – it sounded like Greg interrupted the conversation. I was like, oh, he's on this one too? And then I heard my own voice. And I'm like, oh, wait, it's the 10 minutes that were salvaged. <laughs> you were surprised by yourself, like, audio bombing the episode. That's that's meta. It was, it was very qual. Well, you know, the first part's like, oh, well, we think you're this character because, uh, what Nathan, you're like, oh, he's he's really deep and he's oh, he got the pulse of things. And then when my voice shows up, it's, I am an 80s robot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there you go. You can't, you can't Well, I mean, it it's, a relative, it's a sliding scale. You know, That's true. You're trying to figure out which one Greg others. and I were. It was a toss-up. Oh, man. Well, anyway, hard comedies, right? Yeah, we got a uh, we got a good one today, and uh, this time my laptop's plugged in, so uh, we shouldn't <laughs> lose it. 
<laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, we're talking about horror comedies. And uh, we got several that we're going to throw out there. Um, the first one that we've got on up on the list, uh, and I was, Zach, so excited to hear your response when I, when I said this one, uh, The Burbs. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite movies. It might be in my top three favorite movies of all time. That's the whole reason I wanted to do this topic. <laughs> Burbs. Agreed. It's, it's one of my all-time favorites. Well. What is that? Is that Slavic? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't remember seeing a moving truck. Well, that's funny. It was parked outside all day. <laughs> my wife and I quote that movie every day of our lives. It's another neighbor, a fat one. <laughs> Art's got a gun. <laughs> What if the rest of this episode is Keep just us doing this? <laughs> like, let's see if we can do it from start to finish. <laughs> I don't know how, how does it start after the zoom in? I mean, you got a lot of like little snippets. But get Spielberg happy music coming into the neighborhood, right? And uh, I the think the first time. image is the dog crapping on Rumsfeld's lawn. No, no, isn't no, it? dude. It's not. It's the uh, the paper boy delivering papers. But once, but once he comes through, isn't the first word from Rumsfeld looking out, seeing the dog like his oh, GD. Yeah, you're right. Which maybe we should. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to just drop it right here. <laughs> we would have thought he snapped. <laughs> Gosh darn it! The computer's not plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> so the burbs, right? Was this 1988? Hey guys, I saw this movie in the theater when I was 10 or 11 or whatever. That's awesome. Um, I was born in 78, so I think I feel like I was 12 or so. I was in junior high. And uh, I'll tell you what, it did scare me a little bit. So it is a it's legit horror comedy. And we showed it to my kid when he was about eight or nine. And he had a little hard time falling asleep thinking about like the, the circle of people in the dream and like the oh, chainsaw yeah. stuff. Yeah. Nate, Nathan, how old were you when you saw this? Uh, probably about the same because you said you're born in 78, Zach, yeah. and I was born in 79. So uh, around that 10-year-old, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it probably shortly, and I don't think it was a big hit when it came out, so it probably came to VHS not too long after it was out. But I remember seeing it, and of course, like around that time, there was the whole satanic panic thing was going uh -huh. on, yeah. and, you know. Um, in some some corners, it may still be going on, but it was so prevalent at that point in the 80s. So I think that added a icing on that movie. And, of course, this was before anyone thought Tom Hanks would ever win an Oscar for anything ever. Now, but, what, is the burbs, what message do you get if you play it backwards? <laughs> oh, in the burbs. Yeah, like, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but the um, – the the movie those minutes you those moments you mentioned with the chainsaw and everything and it's like those creepy parts are they basically ported them in directly from other movies it's like I had never seen or was allowed to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre or The Exorcist but suddenly there's shots of those movies in the burbs yeah and uh, but overall it, it does it's it was fun to me and maybe it was fun to you Zach for the same the same reason it had that feel of like the Goonies except they were all like adult middle-aged men yeah yeah so, it really is the classic 80s like ragtag group of kids and you know no one believes them and there's something weird going on except that they're grown-ups sort of <laughs> right sort which, of. which which creates this kind of, which i think is the same reason i love movies like you know big trouble in little china jack burton's just ah, a yes. giant giant <laughs> child driving that truck around and uh it's it's basically like the kids are you know they're they go as far to have, have that scene in the burbs 
where uh, you know Tom Hanks wants to go out with him, and you know they come and ask Carrie uh, Fisher, and she's like, "No, he can't go out till he resembles the man I married." And you see Bruce Dern just kick his foot in the sand. Yeah, <laughs> his hands away. in their pockets like little boys. Yeah. Girl, we don't have that kind of time. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I guess I guess a setup for somebody out there who may not even know what the burbs is. Which I hope that if there is someone, you need to go remedy that now. Yes, uh, you know you've got Tom Hanks. He's what on a, like a staycation sort of deal. He's off from work, but he's not going to go anywhere. And he finds himself bored pretty quickly. And then he's surrounded by his kooky neighbors, and they they believe that the new neighbors are murdering people and possibly eating them. But that's one theory. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> there are there are a couple different theories. That's right. <laughs> And uh, I've never seen a man take his, his garbage to the end of the street and beat it like that. But uh, I've never seen that. Yeah, I'm that's... not going to listen to this. I'm not going to hear this now. I'm not going to listen to this. Chanting Ray. <laughs> My son quotes that pretty frequently. Once they get up here, buddy, it's over. <laughs> oh man! And what's great about that movie? And I know they reshot the ending, and I'm so glad they did. Um, is that you really, I believed, and now granted I was 10, but I really believed it was going to have this after-school special like twist at the end where it was like, we all should treat strange people well. You know, the weird person on your block, you might you know, might hear stories passed around that, that they're you know, weird people that kill people or whatever and all these vicious rumors, but just be kind to everyone because look what happens. Like that shot of Henry Gibson sad when his house is burning and exploding and yeah. then and, and then it turned out to be exactly what everyone had said they were that is <laughs> that is what's demented Butler. yes that's what's so demented about that movie it's like if they look weird they are <laughs> <laughs> Don't, and you're totally justified for burning their house to the ground <laughs> Oh, and they won't charge you with anything just because no. it turns out the people were bad. You know, <laughs> he walks uh, walks home. Five, five minutes earlier, he's fighting uh, Art on the lawn, and it's yeah, it, that is such a strange. Although the way uh, Joe Dante frames that whole movie, you feel like they were just in the Twilight Zone the whole time. You know, it looks like the street from the monsters, you know, or do a Maple Street kind of deal. And you're right, you think that's the ending, and then they have that. The, the horror movie ending basically comes on, but that's a fun, fun movie. There's there's nothing I don't not like about that movie. Anytime I meet someone who doesn't really like Corey Feldman, I say, if you haven't seen The Burbs, what's wrong with you? Go see it. If you have seen The Burbs and you don't love Corey Feldman, you and I can't be friends. It's <laughs> uh... better than television. This is my neighborhood. Oh yeah, he's a lot. He's a lot of fun in that movie. Really made me wish that I lived on a street with more like kind of character people. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 The characters I lived around were all kind of like crazy, crazy, not funny, crazy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they were mostly just like the Clopex. <laughs> Lots of trash in their yard, and you always figured, well, maybe someone murdered someone. Uh, and if it, this is uh, since we're on the topic of horror movies, it's not a horror comedy. But have either of you ever seen the movie The Children of the Corn? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you remember the uh, was it Malachi? He's like, we have your woman, Outlander, and and he's Hans in the Burbs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's actually got a pretty solid yeah. career. His, his yeah, first name's he comes- I don't remember his last name. 
But uh, yeah, well, I can't think of it either. But yeah, he's been in a decent amount of stuff. But I remember seeing him like, that's the kid from Children of the Corn. <laughs> Interlopers! <laughs> that's a funny one, too. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah. And, and partially purposefully funny, which I didn't expect when I first saw it. An awful lot of Stephen King movies are hilarious to me. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and admit it. Uh, but he also was on Memphis Bell, where he played like a regular guy. And he was yes. on Can't Buy Me Love, where he was like the the nerd that like um, is abandoned by the other nerd when he gets popular. Yeah, he sure was. Yep. He played a lot of like uh, ugly guy with a heart of gold roles, and then also uh, serial killer next door roles. Right, <laughs> ugly guy who is a serial killer, like you always <laughs> expected him to be. <laughs> I like to think that uh, his his earlier characters maybe that's just. Uh, the same character, and that's just how he kind of covers it up successfully for a short time. I left Gatlin, and I thought I'd be fine in this neighborhood, but oops, I was wrong. <laughs> uh, before we move on, is with all the horror and cannibal and murder stuff and the great zoom in on the femur bone, all that aside, is not the most cringe-worthy scene in that movie when he's eating that, like, sardine on the cracker? Sardine? <laughs> 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 the sound the, the sound yes. is the part that gets me I, uh, I thought I was going to have to look away <laughs> the squish and the crunch and like his recoiling and horror Yeah, you can say what you want about you know Forrest Gump, Philadelphia the Green Mile his, some of his finest acting is the look on his face as he's eating that cracker Dude, Forrest Gump is an absolute dumpster fire but that's a discussion for another day oh, no, you, and I, you and I are in agreement on that one awesome, I knew, I knew it would be I, I think you and our, our, Venn, our Venn diagram is probably just about a circle based on what I know of, <laughs> uh, of you and have heard on, on different podcasts but I, before we move on I have a question for you guys which is whatever happened to that femur because like I mean, I feel like they're literally criminally negligent when they find it and don't immediately call the police and say, this was dug up under the fence. It's obviously human remains. And then, I mean, obviously the movie isn't funny anymore because they call in like CSI and they dig up the backyard and they find everything. But right. I mean, what happened to it? The dog's got it or, you know, <laughs> someone's made a soup from it. It's it's anyone's guess. It's probably laying in Art's yard somewhere. <laughs> But, but yeah, and that's part of the weird fantasy of it is, again, like kids can't really call the cops or do these things. Or when they try to, they're always discounted. And these, you know, these are adults. You have other avenues <laughs> other than sneaking in and digging the basement up in an afternoon. <laughs> Siren mode. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. <laughs> pretty neat. Pretty neat, huh? <laughs> oh. And, you know, Joe Dante... He's done a lot of these kinds of movies because he did Gremlins. Gremlins, yes. Gremlins is great. And he earlier in his career, he did like Piranha and The Howling, which might be the only horror movie to star Slim Pickens. But uh, the, and he later he did a movie. It's not horror, but I want to mention it because those people haven't seen it. I think it's a pretty good comedy and it's it's a movie that kids can see, too. Did you ever see Matinee? Did either of you see the movie Matinee with John Goodman? Oh, yeah. It came out in 1993, uh, and actually it's interesting because we didn't go to the movies a lot, but then we – about that time frame, my dad and I discovered one of those like discount, you know, second-run dollar movie theaters near our house. <laughs> and we went to see Army of Darkness, and when we finished with that, Matinee was showing, and we went to see those two movies back-to-back. So I, I did get to see Army of Darkness in the theater and Matinee, but Matinee is uh, – John Goodman is playing a kind of 
amalgamation of like Alfred Hitchcock and William Castle, the guy that used to put buzzers on people's seats in like the 50s and 60s when he was making horror movies. Always they had a gimmick. Yeah. So he's bringing a horror movie to town. It's called Mant. <laughs> and he's it's like a 50s goofball movie. And all the same actors that are in The Burbs, Sons, uh, you know, Tom Hanks, of course, are all in this movie, too. And John Goodman brings this movie into town the same time the Cuban Missile Crisis is happening. And so it's a really fun movie about kind of making of movies. But then you have this big event where he's got someone who's going to run in dressed like the, the Mant. And the tensions are getting pretty high at this point in time. So there's a lot of stuff going on. it, But it's a really fun movie. And it's a movie you can kind of watch with your kids. Uh, it doesn't have quite the same dark undertone that, say, the Burbs has. <laughs> but. Uh, that guy who played uh, the, the grumpier of the garbage men. Is on pretty much every Dick Joe Dante Miller. Movie. Yes, he was on Cheers. <laughs> I, I spotted well. him, and then he was on Taxi as well. Uh, I, he pops up in a lot of like seventies and eighties stuff. Yeah, and he actually was uh, originally worked a lot with Roger Corman, so he's in a ton of those movies too. He was in the original. Uh, he was the crazy. You, you guys have seen uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, yeah. And you remember the Steve Martin dentist character. Uh, I I can't remember if it's that character, but he's in Dick Miller is in uh that movie in uh, uh Little Shop of Horrors. I think Jack Nicholson is the the uh, masochistic uh, uh you know dental person that goes and is getting their teeth drilled in that film. So that's the original '60s version. The '80s version is fun too. I think it was Bill Murray in the chair in that movie. Well, forget that. The question here is garbage, and who cleans up this mess? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was, you he had a, to clean up the mess. He was Mr. Futterman in the Gremlins. He had a pretty large. He had a larger role there. You know, um, the other guy, the other garbage man, was the gym teacher from the Wonder Years, yes. which is a show yeah. that I watched like beginning to end with its original run. Robert Picardo. He's in almost every one of Joe Dante's movies too. Good grief! If you're rattling these things right off the top of your head, or you've got IMDb open, I have no way of knowing. I don't, but uh, <laughs> because these movies were, you know. It, all of them almost came out in the eighties. You know, he did one called the explorers where the your river Phoenix and Ethan Hawke built a spaceship and flew out to space, you know, that uh, inner space, you know, a ton of different. Oh, I love that one. Inner that was Henry Gibson too, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. It, it sure does. Dude. Wait. So that, that who, who was in it from the burbs? Who's in inner space in inner space from the, uh, well, Robert Picardo's in that one as well. And then, uh, let's see who else, I haven't seen Inner Space in quite a while. So you got Henry Gibson and Robert Picardo are both in there. And I'm sure Dick Miller's in there probably somewhere. I haven't seen that one as often. I do need to go back and revisit that one. Dude, uh, I want to watch that tonight now that you just <laughs> brought it up. That's a, that was one of my favorites as a kid. Yeah. But if you haven't seen Matinee, check it out because it's in line. Do you Have you seen it, Nathan? You said yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fun, right? It I, is, I, yeah. I highly recommend I can picture the, uh, the cover of the, the VHS tape. In, in my my blockbuster from Matinee, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. John Goodman with his hand outstretched in the theater with the nuclear mushroom cloud above yeah. it. <laughs> but so horror comedies. What else do you guys have? I got to tell you, my very favorite one. Maybe I'll save that for near the end because it's not an intentional comedy. It's a uh, the funniest movie I've seen in my life, and it, and it's and it's supposed to be just scary. Uh, I think uh, another good one would be Shaun of the Dead. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a fun. That's a fun, fun movie. I love Simon Pegg. I love Nick Frost. I love every time they collaborate. 
Hot Fuzz isn't really horror at all. I mean, it it, it veers into action at the end. It's kind of nebulous. it has that creepy mystery. You know, it has some of that those macabre vibes. But you're right; it's not a horror film. But the Shaun of the Dead, I felt like like when it was described to me, it sounded like it was going to be a little cleverer than it was. Somebody was like, "There's the zombie apocalypse happens." And this one guy doesn't get bit, and he doesn't notice for, like, several days that it's happened because he lives in England, and everyone acts like that anyway. Um, <laughs> like, because London is basically just zombies. And and then, like, that was one scene. <laughs> like, when he goes right. to the store, and he's sort of side-eyeing. And you couldn't have pulled that off too long. But, I mean, the whole thing was just brilliant, I thought. And that was the first time I'd seen those guys. Uh, and, and I just loved it. And, and the the gore factor was used very well and then there's even like a couple of semi like uh emotional moments that that are fairly well earned i, I thought that was a, a great a great one i might I, how how old does my kid have to be before i'm not a really horrible dad <laughs> letting him watch Shaun of the dead 14 yeah i think so i mean because you know a lot the gore that's in there is like the night of the living dead kind of gore and it can be strong at times but i mean Let's face it, most of the reason that movie's rated R is because of the number of C words that the British oh, people right. say continually. So if you can somehow right. like, get your kid to ignore that word, or maybe you can clean flicks it up so that they have four lines of dialogue. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I don't think British people think that is the same sort of bad word that we do. I don't think so, but I know that uh, <laughs> you know it doesn't help me a whole lot here. <laughs> but you're uh, it, right. It, it's like it just it flows like water. I have a few friends and I'm just like, I don't think you had any you had no adjectives or other verbs in that war, in that sentence except for. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, it just means goofball to them. But that doesn't change the fact that it, it would work in most settings if it was a really nasty word. Uh, because everything sounds so cutting when British people say it anyway. So it's, it's, yeah, true, it's right? lost in translation, kind of the. Semi innocuous nature of it, and I love—I absolutely love the end of that. Uh, we're giving away the end of all these movies, people. By the way, we already just ruined the burbs for you. And here's the Shaun of the Dead ends. We're like, you should really check this movie out. Now, here's what happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're not going to want to because we just destroyed it for you. But but when uh, his buddy is like locked in like uh, like irons in the in the shed out in the garden, and they play video games together. I don't I'll- know why, but I, I, every time I I just it, it makes me so happy. Outside of Flash Gordon and Highlander, best use of a Queen song in a movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and one of the things that I like about Shaun of the Dead, and there are movies that that do this more extremely, but it has that kind of feel that even you go all the way back to like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which I remember seeing very young. That was probably my first introduction to the Universal Monsters at all, was the first time I saw... Frankenstein's monster, Luke Costello was standing next to him screaming, you know, <laughs> like that. <laughs> it! You know, yes, exactly. And those movies, what's neat watching them now with the kids is the monsters. You've got Bella Lugosi and you've got all the monsters, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. doing their thing. They're behaving exactly the same way that they did in the legitimate horror movies. And there, the movie they're in is still a horror movie, but the movie that that Abbott and Costello are in is completely different, and they just sort of collide into one another. And that's kind of what Shaun of the Dead is like—that zombie movie, the things that happen in that zombie movie, 
are the same things that happened in Night of the Living Dead and the Day of the Dawn of the Dead and all of those movies. And like you said, there's poignant moments where there's body counts and not everyone's going to make it out. But, you know, it's these characters and what they're doing, the way they try to disguise themselves amidst the dead. And, you know, they're trying to decide which records we throw, you know, that kind of stuff balances out so it's a horror movie at the same time it's got a comedy feel to it and those are probably my favorites the one that it's it still there's some stakes going on but there's some silliness at the same time yeah it's all context right and it's kind of funny how that that sort of thing reminds you of how even the scariest movies if you had been there when they filmed the scene, it wouldn't have been scary. And even if you just saw raw footage that didn't have the, the music cues and the, the you know, dollies and everything, it, it, they're not intrinsically scary. You know, you get, you get these goof, goofy people in the middle of a scary scene and it just completely neutralizes it. Right. I remember there was a documentary once that was specifying how – uh, how important and crucial music is to any movie at all, ever. And uh, have you guys, have, have both of you seen the original Halloween, uh, the John Carpenter movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah great yeah. movie. And, and you know, towards the beginning of this movie, uh, when, and I will try to stop spoiling things here, but you know, they pull the, uh, Dr. Loomis, Donald Pleasance, they pull him up to the gate and there's mental patients walking everywhere and they're trying to find one particular patient, Michael Myers, and he runs somebody runs up the front of the car, like right up the windshield and it's got this musical sting on it. And it is terrifying to see that. Uh, and then they replace it with dueling banjo style music, <laughs> this like accordion music. And it's, you know, they play the whole scene from the beginning to end and it's complete. You realize it's like, yep, that took, that took the bike completely out of it. <laughs> so it's like foggy mountain breakdown playing as a guy runs up, which probably would still work in a movie like deliverance. But yeah, you're right. Like, and that's, I think what I appreciate about the, uh, about those sorts of movies. Uh, Nathan, do you have one? Yeah. I mean, army of darkness is one of my all time favorites. Yeah. Shop smart. Shop S smart. <laughs> Hail to the King, that. baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's. Um, I think that's one that we've talked about a little bit on this before uh, when we were doing our reviews of um, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, Zach, I, I want to hear uh, your thoughts on it, though. I don't think I don't think we've ever talked to you about it. Well, I learned of uh, Army of Darkness because it was a uh, big, full, uh, glossy ad for it on the back of every comic book for about three months. Yes, yes. you're exactly right. <laughs> that's when I first became aware of it too. And I Dark was like, Horse this... had a whole miniseries. Yeah, and I had heard, I had heard of uh, people talking about The Evil Dead, but I hadn't seen it. So I watched this one without having seen uh, the original, and it didn't lack for it, I don't think. Um, and I thought it was hilarious. I, I, I made my wife watch it, I remember. She, was, she wasn't my wife then. This was We were teenagers. And uh, she laughed really hard, and then afterward told me she didn't think it was funny. I remember that very well. Like... And then I was like, well, "How did you? Why did you laugh?" And she's like, "It was stupid." I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's that kind of humor." But like, she she couldn't get over how bad like the green screen was, where the two little guys are plugging his nostrils, and it's just like <laughs> my, none of it. Oh like, yeah, it my kids so commented bad. on that yesterday. Dad, that looks awful. I think that's the point. <laughs> that's why it's uh, funny. Yes, I'm very confused though as to why that, that movie. I guess it's just the the pedigree why it's rated R. Because uh, we watched it with my kids, and there was one – the only scene I had to sort of like stifle them from was when he, he tells someone to get the F out of his face. 
you know, pretty much everything else in there is even the violence is handled in a really kooky sort of like goofball way. You know, yeah. I mean, I like if you're in that like eight year old range, it's like it, it it's it's less it's like watching Lord of the Rings, but it's not even that violent because of the inherent goofiness of everything's going on. I mean, yeah, he like I say, you, you've got the few like reference. There's a couple milder swears and then you have him drop that one word. But I'm like, I'm not quite sure why this is an R. I mean. Evil Dead 2 is gore galore. I mean, right. you know, but. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, now, are is it is it rated R or is it PG-13? Did they did they end up changing always, the rating on that? I always thought it was rated R. I mean. You're allowed one F-bomb, even back then, for a PG-13. Yeah, but, it, well, I think it might have been one of those movies that they either cut a lot from because there's something like 17 different versions of army of darkness right right what i have is whatever the original one that was released into theaters is because i had seen that one so many times and i was like i even went back and rewatched it again before i show the kids and i was like no nah, this is this is almost a not a pg third you know what i mean just the, there are there are darker pg movies out there right. obviously but i uh, yeah i think it might have been this was that point in time when people weren't touching horror with a 10-foot pole so I wonder if the ratings board even watched it. They're like, oh, we saw Evil Dead 2. Here, have your R. Right, yeah. What were you going to say, Zach? I was just going to say, I thought it was funny that, and I didn't hear you. I, I, was that on, uh, I, I still always want to call it Pop Culture Ninja. Um, because that's a better name. But um, <laughs> <laughs> No, because, I, because that was uh, on my feed for a long time. Uh, even after like it changed, that was still sitting there on my feed. But uh, I didn't hear the thing when you guys talked about um, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, the new series. But I thought it was an interesting thing that they came out with that kind of continuing of the the sort of tongue-in-cheek approach to this stuff at about the same time that someone remade the Evil Dead to be a straight, terrifying uh, horror film. Oh, and, yeah. And stripped it of its... Um, kind of humor, you know, horror comedy status. And I can tell that, that uh, Nathan has just dropped the line because I, I was talking trash about his podcast. He's gone now. <laughs> oh, were you talking trash about it? I missed uh, the trash. Oh, no, I was saying that I loved it. And uh, you're. Oh, no, that you didn't like the new name. Okay. Yeah, fine. no, I, it's, it's fine. I just couldn't remember. For, I'll tell you what, for the longest time, I didn't have any idea what it was. I saw that on my, uh, when I had my podcast clinch for a couple of years, that was always like the first or second thing where it was like listeners also listen to. And I was, I was like, what the crap is that? I should okay. go back to the pop culture ninja. That was a good that was a good name. Well, I think at, at the time there were two podcasts going. Pop Culture Ninja was still going. And then when it dropped off, it's like, go. So uh, but either way, <laughs> with our the, the the Army of Darkness Evil Dead thing, um, well, first off, the original Evil Dead, have you guys seen the original Evil Dead? Yeah, no. I did. Yeah, I so have- I think what happens there, Zach, is when they first make the original Evil Dead, it's got some dark gallows humor, but it's a very much straightforward horror movie. And a lot of the horrible things that happen in the Evil Dead remake happen in that movie. I mean, it's intense. It's creepy. It's not – there's moments of humor if you're looking for it, but it's that kind of – it's more like a a really dark horror movie decides to leaven it with a little of like gallows humor. And then what happened is – when Sam Raimi went to make Evil Dead 2, they didn't have – there was some kind of rights issue when they had made the first movie that they couldn't just pick right back up. They couldn't use any of the footage from before. So he, he decided that, well, 
I'm just going to make the first part of the of Evil Dead 2 a remake. But in order to not make it feel stale, he ju- he went to the things he loved, which was the Three Stooges. And that was what transformed it from a regular horror movie. Evil Dead 2 is still kind of a horror movie. Army of Darkness has dropped horror altogether. And it's like some kid fell asleep after watching binge watching every old like episode of Gunsmoke and, and any kind of <laughs> war show and medieval nights. I mean – they're they're dropping like lines from Davier stood still and 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 Patton and like it the wholesale are just strung together quotes from other movies and that's kind of what makes it so much fun. Okay, that's very interesting. I did not I did not know how that became because I mean I've like I love uh, Darkman. Oh and, yeah, uh, great. Larry Drake is really good in that. And which, by the way, I guess the, the the sequels there kind of became goofy, silly things as well. They were straight um, to video, yeah. Yeah, I, I have them all, uh, and I <laughs> admit that I like them. Um, the return of Durant after he exploded in a helicopter against a uh, viaduct. But, um, like, that's that original Darkman is, is really quite a bleak affair. But, like, a lot of Sam Raimi stuff seems like it's always the, the cheeriest version of Whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the shots he does. He does a lot of those weird, like, here's the point of view of an arrow was flying at your head. Or, you know, or, like, yes, he has this colorful carnival kind of field to a lot of yeah. what he does. And then yeah, when well, Dark Or Man, a living comic book, maybe, kind of thing. Yeah, like what you would really want to see from a comic book, which I think is why he did so well on those first couple Spider-Man movies. I feel like particularly Spider-Man 2 benefited greatly from his his grasp of that. Here, here's a real test for you, man. What is the name of the guy, um, the guy who in Dark Man is his head is pushed up out of a manhole and he's decapitated by a truck? The guy who's in every single Sam Raimi movie. Uh, what's that guy's name? The guy with the thin guy with the brown hair and the glasses. That's his. That's his brother, brother Ted uh, Raimi. Yeah, Ted Raimi. Ted Raimi. Okay, yeah. I, I was thinking Kevin Raimi. No, no, Ted. Ted Raimi. He's. Um, okay. He's there at the uh, uh, S-Mart at the end. He's the guy yep. that Bruce Campbell's recounting everything to. He's like, so did you say the words right this time? Yeah, that guy. More or less. Uh, <laughs> he was also in – he played actually like <laughs> – not from the uh, – I think purposely tongue-in-cheek, but he did play an old Chinaman in a recent Bruce Campbell movie. Did you guys see My Name is Bruce? Yes. So, yeah, it was <laughs> – it was Bruce Campbell kind of throw it, trying to – this was before like Evil Dead and Ash came like screaming back into the mainstream. It was about like 2006 or 2007. I actually got to see um, Nathan not far from here down in the city. They did a screening of a movie and he was there. Oh, yeah. You told me about Bruce. that. Yeah. because Didn't he, he pay you? <laughs> he did. So it was, it was clearly a shtick that he had going on, but he had, people were talking about his movies. And at this point, he had done a couple of like really schlocky things. He's like, oh, like, uh, has anyone seen it, it was like Alien Invaders or Alien Apocalypse or something? And I think I'm the only guy to raise my hand. He goes, he comes up and gives me like eight bucks or something because that should cover <laughs> that should cover the blockbuster rental fee and the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I'm sorry. And then I, I saw like a YouTube video where he had done that same shtick, but it, it, it was effective. It was pretty funny. I love but, that uh, guy. I absolutely love him. He's what makes Burn Notice. Uh, he was so in moving all the way through. You know? yes. Yeah. And he was, this was a point in time when he was on Burn Notice, but they had, and it's weird because when you watch Iron of Darkness, he still has that kind of like, he's a knucklehead, but he, he's trying to be heroic. 
And then the character in Ash vs. Evil Dead is just a heel from oh, yeah. <laughs> from the moment go. And it's really the character from My Name is Bruce where he's playing a like really despicable version of himself. Like a guy in a wheelchair comes up to get his autograph and he just shoves him into a car. <laughs> he's, like, he's like drinking booze out of a dog bowl at one point in that movie. And, uh, and so we kind of transformed the whole Ash character, I think, from that. But um, – Zach, what movie is it you're talking about? You said it's like a to you it's a legit horror movie, or it, it it's a legit horror movie in general, but you think it's funny. Uh so here's the story of it. I I went the only no one of two bachelor parties I've been to in my life. This one when I was already a, a pastor and I was going to be officiating the wedding two days later. Uh and we went to a movie theater super, super late. Uh, I think it was a Thursday night, and it was like the sneak peek because it was technically Friday because it was like 1230 or whatever. Yep. And so I'm, I'm just going to say a few guys I realized after the fact had like the little mini bottles of, of alcohol and were pouring them into their uh, like sodas uh, at the <laughs> at the movie theater. Uh, and <laughs> so I, I understand how some of them could maybe enjoyed this. I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. It was a movie called The Mist. And it was from, uh, oh, what's the name of the Stephen uh, King Skeleton Crew. Skeleton it's from The Mist. Yeah. The Mist is the name of the story, too. Uh, Frank Darabont directed it, yes. Gosh, it was so hilarious. It was the worst of everything. It was like some of the worst acting, even though there were some fairly uh, heavy and, and decent actors in it. It was it was the worst effects. It was the worst attempts at being like, like – uh, deep the worst attempts at social commentary nothing in it was scary even like 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 the 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 bug that gets in that's sort of a mosquito type thing and it and it gets that lady in the neck and her neck just starts like growing it, it, in my mind that it just evoked every crappy straight to video 90s hilarious horror movie I had ever rented to laugh at in my life. It was, it was about on par with those two guys plugging Bruce Campbell's nose in army of darkness. <laughs> it, it, like the whole thing just sucked. sucked. I love this end, movie so much. You love it. Like legitimately, love it, like, like legitimately love it. Yeah. Like I, I oh think my it's <laughs> that thing I said about her Venn diagram. The Venn diagram is wrong. <laughs> well, let me give you a, a, a quick perspective. I don't, there's no point in debating uh, something that one person clearly hates and another person loves. No, I, but, I didn't hate it. I thought it was uh, very enjoyable for I, well, how see, I bad think that's why I mentioned it is I think I enjoyed it on the same level you did a little bit. Uh, and Frank Darabont may know that because when he released the DVD, there were two versions of it. And one was redone in a black and white, the way you would see like Invaders from Mars. And that's the way I watched the movie. And so the special effects looked just like you just said. They looked bad. But I was watching it as if it were 1945, like monsters from another world are going to eat your town movie. And on that point, all the way up until the end, the end got way too like – the end was ridiculous. When they like all blew the, their own yeah. heads off. That was so funny. <laughs> I was a dumb ending. Yeah. And, and you know, I had seen a screening of it and I was at the screening and a friend of mine, everyone is horrified when that happens. And he just bursts in the biggest, deepest belly laugh he could possibly <laughs> muster at the moment when the gun is going off in the car, because you know, you absolutely know that what comes next is the big, like 
pull mm-hmm. the rug out from, from under you kind of thing. I wasn't a fan of that. I enjoyed it as a homage to like 50s B movies and things like that. But I agree if you're taking it uh, the guys with the with the with the miniature uh alcohols had the right idea, I think. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't believe Toby Jones was in it to begin with. Uh, when I, mean, I saw him, I was like, "List of legit actors." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Andre Brower was in it, and so was um yeah uh, Marsha Gay Harden, and uh... <laughs> I mean Thomas Jane is nothing to write home about. Um, the world's worst Punisher, but like, yeah, it, it was. It looked oh, like yeah, Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Said he had Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, in I just want my kids back. Homeless dad. Um. Is that a reference that you're not picking up? Finally, finally, I drop a reference that that Nathan isn't like, oh, yeah, and here's some more facts about that. Um, Wait, what fake, was the reference? It was a fake movie that he was on when he was a character on Arrested Development playing himself. Oh, yes, yes, I do remember that now. But the tagline of the movie was, I just want my kids back. And then, he, like, Thomas Jane winds up saying that several times. But the, the whole idea of the the religious fanatic lady – uh, obviously meaning to be like some kind of stand-in for people like me. Uh, like, I can watch a movie that does that. I mean, I even sort of liked Red State, but if it, you, have to, you have to be a little bit smart and a tiny bit subtle. You have to be clever. You can't just be like, I don't know, it just very much felt like high school. No, it felt like college sophomores had made that movie. And so it, it didn't even feel like it was self-aware enough to really get that it was like a, uh, you know, them type movie. With Not sure. Yeah, I, we, we must have seen different versions of The Mist. Um, but mine was in black and white. The uh, an, Another movie that's like that, although I suspect that a lot of it is done on purpose. Did you ever see Stephen King's Silver Bullet? No. It was done in the 80s, and uh, after I say about three things, you'll probably be like, oh, we should go out and rent this or get it on uh, you know, Amazon. It starred – Corey Haim was in the movie uh, without Corey Feldman, unfortunately. But he's a boy who's in a wheelchair, and his uncle comes for the summer, played by Gary Busey, and builds him oh, a boy. rocket-powered wheelchair. And it just so happens this is the same summer that a werewolf is stalking the town. So there's this mystery where uh, Gary Busey, who is the drunk uncle – has to help Corey Haim in his rocket wheelchair defeat the werewolf. And uh, it's uh, it's just ridiculous. But it's got moments that are also sort of serious. But then you've got a werewolf, uh, Everett McGill, who was in Twin Peaks. Uh, I think his, in that one, his wife had an eye patch. And in this one, he has the eye patch. But it, there's a definitely a scene where there's a priest in a big car trying to run a kid down in a wheelchair. So you have that. And, uh, and Gary Busey and werewolves. Is that based on a real story or... It, it was a novella that King did called The Cycle of the Werewolf. Oh, but it's fiction. It was, but it's fiction, yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> Another one that I – maybe to go into more uh, – less controversial territory um, that I thought was hysterical, and I, obviously it was sort of meant to be but sort of not, was uh, Child's Play, which, which I think that like because of the age I was when it came out, my contemporaries thought that it was supposed to be – Full on scary, whereas adults who saw it realized that it was just you know dumb. Um, yeah, it was, it was a purposely a horror comedy again. Yeah, kind of. It's a guy who made Fright Night, which is also a good horror comedy. Either of you guys see the new uh, the new one with Aubrey Plaza as the mom? I did. Have you seen it yet? I've not seen it. Is it worth checking out? Well, I don't know because <laughs> it's not the mist. Um, it's uh, 
I think it is because it kind of goes a different direction. It was worth seeing for Mark Hamill doing a very different take on the Chucky character. It's not the same plot at all, which I appreciate. So Chucky is not the supernatural forces that bring about Chucky and result in what he is in the old movie have nothing to do with what happens to him in the new movie. Uh, and so now that might be interesting or not interesting to you, but it takes it a different direction. So you've got more of the character of, uh, you know, it's sort of an AI program that is, uh, what would a child actually be like if it was hanging around nonstop, like 11 and 12 year olds, how balanced would it really be? And that's sort of what is happening to the Chucky child's play. There's, uh, there's a, there's a couple of really off the wall, like kills that remind me of something you'd see in like a nineties horror movie. And it has a bit of a comedy edge to it. I was expecting absolutely nothing from it. So the fact that I enjoyed it at all was, I don't know, you could take it for what it was, but it was way better than most of the sequels they made to child's play. I never saw any of those. Although I do love Jennifer Tilly. And if, if someone was watching like bride of Chucky, I would go, Oh, finally. Yes. I, I can't wait to see this. Um, <laughs> So uh, what I'm getting about this new one is it's basically like Five Nights with, with Freddy's, but with Chucky. It's like Five, five Nights at Chucky's. There's about 20 minutes that could be Five Nights at Freddy's. Otherwise, it's evil AI, you know, the, the Spielberg movie. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really joking. It's kind of where, where it heads. But um, I, would I would see that if it was young, like fresh-faced Haley Joel Osment doing the killing. Well, look, look up on YouTube – Mark Hamill does an entire theme song, You Are My Buddy, in the Chucky voice. And he sings it over uh, Andy's bed in the film <laughs> while he's sleeping. Wow. I'm going to have to check that out, actually. The, the whole film, I think. That, that, and and uh, Mark Unlike Hamill. Unlike Bruce Campbell, it, I won't be giving you your rental money back. So if you suck, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Nathan, geez, you, you haven't given anyone a chance to speak this whole time. I know, right? I've just uh, I've been enjoying listening to you guys talk about uh, t talk about all this stuff. So, well, you wanted to talk about uh, the Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein. Yeah, so Is that Mel Brooks. Yep, Mel Brooks, Young Frankenstein. That was another one that uh, I enjoyed. Nathan, uh, you have you seen that one, Zach, or is that one that um, it was just so long ago that you saw? I don't believe I've ever seen it. No. Really? Man, all right. So, Nathan, this is you and me, man. Young Frankenstein. Go ahead and uh, start us off. I mean, I I love this movie. The interesting thing is I think over the years of seeing the old Frankenstein movies, which also had humor to them, you know, more than I remembered, mm -hmm. they all have sort of blended in my head. Now, I understand that the 30s Frankenstein doesn't have that scene where – Peter Boyle does putting on the Ritz, but right. <laughs> you know, or Gene Wilder. But I, what I loved about that movie is like, you can clearly see uh, Mel Brooks love for the original movies. He's right. not just trying to do an airplane kind of spoof. He got the original sets that they used the movie to the extent it's creepy at all is creepy in the same ways and silly in the same ways that the old movies were. Yeah. And I just thought he did such a neat job of making an actual movie from it. And yeah, there's a lot of great jokes in there. I could watch that, scene where he introduces him to the world, the putting on the Ritz thing. I could watch that probably on repeat uh, based on just how funny I think it is. But it's weird. A quick aside, I the other night we were watching the original Frankenstein from 31, and I started to realize that it's so subtle that I can't sometimes remember. I was watching a scene in the original Frankenstein, 
you know, the, the hunchback character has snuck into the lab and Dr. Frankenstein wants him to get the brain. There's two brains laying on the table and one says like healthy brain. The other one says abnormal brain. Right. And, <laughs> and the hunchback picks up the normal brain and it slips out of his hands and it breaks. And he looks over curiously at the abnormal brain and he grabs that and runs out. And I was like, I always thought that was from young Frankenstein. <laughs> right. I didn't realize it's legitimately we could have had a perfectly fine functioning monster, but no. You dropped the good brain. <laughs> yeah. Well in that I mean, to me it was just everything just, you know, like you said, there was um you saw how much Mel Brooks cared for that movie, but then his brand of humor is just all throughout it as well. And so, you know, there's just no mistaking uh Mel Brooks's movies, which I I mean, I own several of them and, and love them and can watch them over and over again. I I felt less strongly about Dracula dead and loving it though. I will. I will yeah, that. that's true. I feel like, um, I feel like after men in tights, it got a little uh, weird. <laughs> I also might've just been tired of Leslie Nielsen at, at that point, but does <laughs> anyone remember it in no way was any good. Do you remember he did a horror spoof in the early nineties called repossessed? Oh uh, Yes. So oh. the gist of this is it was a take on The Exorcist where Reagan's character has grown up as an adult and gets possessed again. again. And it's played by Linda Blair. And the only priest they can get is Leslie Nielsen, who I think his name was Father May I or something. Yeah. So he just keeps responding, no, you may not. It was not uh, – it wasn't one of his finer movies, and that's saying a lot considering his uh, filmography. But. That sounds like one that would be just too chock full of full on like blasphemous stuff for me to laugh at. I'm when, trying to get into yeah. priests with crosses and definitely the name of Jesus. And I don't know. They I, went so ridiculous with it. And I, I, you, you could be right, but I feel like they went so off the wall, like their humor was so misguided that it was just a ton of, I remember that the whole final exorcism was presided over by like mean Gene Okerman and like Jesse Ventura. Like, I don't even think they tried to cash in on any of the religious iconography. It was just like, what's popular right now. I'd rather see mean Gene Scott do the exorcism. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Oh man, guys, this has been, uh, this has been great, but I know, uh, Zach, you and I have to have to bug out soon here. Um, but just, uh, want to give you guys one last chance, uh, starting with you, Zach, one last chance movie you want to mention. Ooh, you know, I think come back to me. Let me. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to decide between a few. All right, Nathan. Tremors. Mm. Tremors, my all-time favorite. I think uh, horror comedy. You know what? A nice mix. I'm sorry, I, I I didn't mean to jump. I got too excited. My favorite, my favorite of all of these, not better than the Burbs, but but better as a, a Halloween watch maybe is uh, Dead Alive. It's got to oh be the, un- gosh. the unrated version. It's a Peter Jackson movie. Yeah, I long did not before expect Hobbits. you to break that one out. Dude, the moment when he's got the lawnmower slung over his shoulder and he says, the party's over. And he pulls the the cord on it and then they're like pumping blood at like I was holding 5, that 000. one back because I felt like, no, that's not a these go to 11 kind oh, of movie we should talk about. Movie. <laughs> Dude, we should. We should point out that one goes way beyond the pale, though. For people who are hearing these, like, Army of Darkness and, you know, our choices, this is – you have to like gore. You actually have to kind of <laughs> like like gore because it goes – I 
I felt not Aldor. Not not Aldor. <laughs> no. uh, I felt weird watching that movie at some point. It's just so much of it. Uh, my, my wife and I will often quote anytime anyone says the word annual meeting, the term annual meeting, we'll go annual meeting. <laughs> and and I will often say uh, the the great line from the priest as he's beating down all the undead people outside the church. Yes. Oh, I kick arse for the Lord. And and then of course he becomes a, a zombie and it has a very dark, weird turn. But uh yeah. A, if if you if you very feel weird like turn. You he love that baby thing to the playground <laughs> and the the family is watching from a distance, it's carnivorous and feral, and he's got it by the leg banging its skull against the side of the swing set. I think one of the best lines in that movie he said exchanges is a uh, your mother ate my dog, and he says, Not all of it, and pulls the tail out. <laughs> you know, I've seen some displays of grief in my day. Yeah, that that's a that's a great play. And, and like who would have ever thought that the guy who's like this, you know, visionary master, uh, you know, who gave us the Lord of the Rings uh, and then also the the uh, uh, money hungry uh, schlockmeister who gave us the Hobbit uh, trilogy. <laughs> any of that given us this just screwball, ultra violent. His first three or four movies are like that, though. He did one called Bad Taste that's like that and a weirdo movie called Meet the Feebles. Have you guys either of those seen The Frighteners with yeah. Michael J. Fox? Michael J. Fox, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's him too. That's Peter Jackson. That's his transition, I think. I think that was the demo reel of those special effects for him being able to make Lord of the Rings. He was kind of cutting his teeth. Well, it's kind of like uh, what, what – uh, I think that's the reason Spy Kids got made was because Rodriguez was kind of like, I need a, a workshop – to work out a lot of how I'm going to do this in the future. For him, it was vis- uh, digital effects. And and for Peter Jackson, a lot of it was practical stuff. And yeah, it's it doesn't, it's not, there's no eye candy in, in, in uh, at least not dead alive, but you can almost see how the guy who mastered all this stuff would go on to act, do legitimately great things. Well, the logistics of that scene where he mows an entire party down with a push mower. <laughs> I mean, that's harder to do than a ape on top of a building swatting at airplanes. Come on, man. <laughs> that scene with the custard is so disgusting. Oh, oh, yeah, like like uh, something bursts and then it goes to the yes. Oh, well, my you God. you've now realigned the Venn diagram. I'm so, so pleased that you mentioned Dead Alive. That's that's the one to see, guys. <laughs> Dead Alive. Yeah. If if you want to know the what what can bridge the gap between. The uh, I guess the black and white self aware version of the mist. And the, original <laughs> and the only thing that makes it self aware is it's black and white. And you realize, oh, this is a crappy fifties B movie. But There's is nothing it, different? <laughs> was it like this was my original intent, or was it sort of like people bringing hangers to Mommy Dearest, going like, oh, this is a way we can salvage the money we dumped into this? Uh, he wanted to release it in black and white. Oh, okay. uh, Frank Darabont was not allowed to. And when King wrote the original story, he said, I pictured it as monsters eat the supermarket like an old 50s movie and i think that's i agree with you the ending the ending and some of the over series and i i agree what the what's the theme of the movie because you point out you have the crazy lady who is saying the apocalypse is coming but the apocalypse kind of is coming so how crazy is she but then she's killing people you know and then you have this mother who says well i'm not afraid i'll just walk into the mist to get my kids and that level of like hope is supposed to be okay because she gets her kids you know meanwhile what's his name fights for an hour and a half 
and just for this thing to happen. So I get what you're saying. I think I liked it just on the level of, oh, look, there's monsters attacking people in a shopping mall. Or I a, guess I should give the benefit of the doubt based on Shawshank Redemption being the not only the best adaptation of any Stephen King movie, but one of the best movies of all time. Agreed. Uh, so the guy who could pull that off probably knows what he's doing. Okay. Maybe maybe it was but maybe as you it was said, less... you still enjoyed it. I think I yeah. think the ways in which you enjoyed it, he was intending to a degree to to like that because I don't I don't think they had the effects or the budget to make those things look good. So yeah, that pterodactyl looks like it's made of clay. Like when it's flying through the supermarket, but mm-hmm. I got to stop because I'm about to go watch it right now. <laughs> do, you, do you guys like Tremors though? Before we go finish, Tremors. I've, you guys like Tremors? I'm so ashamed to say I've never seen Tremors in its entirety. I've seen parts of it several times. I had a buddy who had it like a a bootleg VHS copy, <laughs> and I, as as like a, a lover of all things '80s and something of an authority on certain things '80s, I I really am legitimately. Um, sheepish about it that I haven't seen it all. You should make that your Halloween movie. It's the first one. Don't bother with any of the other ones, but the first one is really, really good. I think. Yeah. I do it. I really like the first one and, and Nate, you're not going to like me for this one. I actually enjoyed the second one as well. I haven't seen any of the others and I don't plan to. Is that the one where they were running now on like two legs? Or yeah, something? yeah. Yeah. The little, that wasn't, that was not bad. Fred Ward was back for that. Yes. One, but yeah. They just kept getting dumber. At one point they were flying through like, gaseous pockets in their butts or something <laughs> like i'm not making this up i mean i think they even called them like ass blasters or something uh, i mean the week got worse but i yeah the first two were not bad let me promise the last very last thing there's a movie out there it's an irish movie from like 2013 it's called grabbers probably an unfortunate title now but it had, <laughs> it's about an irish talent invaded by these alien sea tentacles and what they realize is, is these creatures are, are are grabbing people that they're leaving uh, – everyone's being killed except the people in the bar and around the bar. And they realize that the aliens are allergic to alcohol, so they probably shouldn't have popped up in Ireland. And so <laughs> this entire movie is, these, is all the enforcement and everyone going to the bar and getting as blitzed as they can but realizing it's really hard to fight monsters drunk. So the whole movie is sort of like how are we going to defeat them? Because we have to be drunk in order to be immune, so it's a uh, it's 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 kind of like Shaun the Dead and Tremors mashed together. <laughs> hey, nice. that's more realistic than aliens invading a uh, planet where they're allergic to water and it kills them. <laughs> Which movie are we going to spoil now, boys and girls? <laughs> I liked a lot of that movie, but I, not I love that movie. I, I I owned that one uh, and I bought it like back when DVDs were like twenty nine bucks a piece. I think it's great. Strong movie. And my theory on that is they sent the noobs first. They were like, you know what? Let's let's play it. Let's prank these guys. <laughs> planet, planet Earth, go for it, Bob. That's a pretty pretty uh, Calvinist movie too. At the end of the day, yeah, yeah, it's a good. I I enjoyed that about it, and I feel like that. But that's why I think it works. All of, that scene when he is at the dinner table and the seat talk he has with Joaquin Phoenix. We're talking about signs, <laughs> but, but those, <laughs> those scenes, the, those scenes are strong in their own way for what they are. You know, outside of everything else that's happening, when he's talking about what do you see when you look at those lights, you know, and, and like the the different things. I love the scene where Joaquin Phoenix is trying to get the. That's got some comedy moments in it too. He's trying to get the kids out of front of the television, the kids that are in the video, 
the Mexican video where the monster is walking across yes. the street. He's going, Vamanos, children, Vamanos. <laughs> so it's funny, yeah, like, and then your stomach literally drops when you're watching it right. the first time because it's ugh. It, 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 that, was, that guy knows how to put together a movie. And the there's day. a good point, too, about what you do with your resources. Those, those creatures and effects in that movie are no better than the effects in The Mist, but they're used in a totally different way and a much more effective, for, for horror thrills way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And the same level of creature is used in the village to much less effect. (laughs) There was a lot I liked about that up until a point, and then the bottom fell out. (laughs) I I think that that that, that one to me was another one where I didn't realize it was bad until maybe the second time I watched it. The soundtrack is so beautiful, like the – and the cinematography – And the concept is strong, and and it's fairly well made. The the one thing that got me – was the moment where I was like, okay, this, like they, they open up the, the door, they see the costume that the, uh, so here we're spoiling the end of another one, uh, but, but not all the spoilers um, that, that uh, Adrian Brody's character had been wearing. And one of them goes, oh, the secret compartment. The other one goes, oh, the costume. And I'm like, okay, um, you think we're stupid and, or, or you're stupid uh, or I don't know, a little of both. And yeah, my pro- I wouldn't have any problem with the twist the first time it happened. But then when they're like, there are monsters in the woods, just kidding again. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, this was a great one. Uh, look forward to uh, dropping this on Halloween night. So give uh, give our listeners something to listen to. Uh, until then, uh, please don't forget, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, any service. Come that over you and listen to, to uh, not the not the pop culture. Ninja <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's, it's called the Phantom Menace. Is that what it's called? The Phantom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me, Misa love that name. No, Oh, man. Not everything uh, can be gut check. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phantom Galaxy Podcast. Check them out. Uh, and until the next time, gentlemen, we just rock the Casbah. These go to 11.